0: Introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening. How are you listening? This is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome into the new series that I'm going to be doing with this channel. It's called Fleming versus Film. And let me explain what I'm going to try to do with this. I'm going to try to compare with a guest each time I do one of these episodes, whether the novel or the film is better. So many times in the Bond community, you hear people say, go back to the source material, go back to Fleming, go back to Fleming, go back to Fleming. And I think some, for sure, many of the times, Fleming was right. F- Fleming had the better material. Fleming wrote the story better and developed characters better. However, I think a lot of times we're shortcutting the additions that the filmmakers did. And sometimes the filmmakers got it more, better than Fleming. There are some standouts where it's clearly the winner goes to either side. Spy Who Loved Me, clearly the film was better than the book. You Only Live Twice, clearly the novel is better than uh, the movie. That being said, there are a lot of toss-ups. There's Goldfinger, there's From Russia With Love, Dr. No, Thunderball, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. These are actually a lot closer than I think a lot of people give credit for. And the little nuances of what the film added versus what the novel had, and who got it right, who got it better. And at the end, we're going to decide who won overall, the films or the Flemings. Uh, So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of guests on. The first one today is Kyle Barbo. And I picked Goldfinger because I think it's one of the closest ones to try to get an introduction about where we're going with this. Because I think Goldfinger the novel and Goldfinger the film are super close, razor thin margin about which one is better, which one is worse. And uh, we're just gonna have a lot of fun with this and I'm gonna have a lot of guests and hopefully uh, I got some lined up and I'm gonna ask a whole bunch of people so it's going to be very exciting I'm very excited to get this kicked off with the first episode of Fleming versus film welcome in Kyle Barber So welcome in, Kyle Barbo, you know him, you love him, easiest, smiles, expenses, watches. He's on everybody's everything. He's here, he's, he's again, him and Jason Kim, I think, are the two sluttiest people in the Bond community, as far as just always being on people's podcasts, but well-deserved, buddy. So welcome in. That's am excited to have you that, in here. That,
0: that is accurate. I am, I'm like when Allie Wentworth used to be on Jay Leno all the time, you know, that's just me. <laughs> I have nothing to promote, I'm just here because, you know, I'm am a I'm an entertaining guest. I think the last time we
1: talked, you called yourself Rodney Dangerfield, and I think yeah, that's a better—that's that a better one. You are—you are my—you are, my, are my Rodney Dangerfield, good sir. I like that. I, <laughs> I get no respect from you, so that's probably. Thank uh, <laughs> okay. Well, today we're going to be talking about. So here's the thing: you hear things all the You're, time, and especially in the bond community, you hear, "Go back to Fleming, go back to Fleming." When something goes wrong, you should have just done with Fleming. You should just always listen to Fleming. Fleming—Fleming Fleming is God. And you hear that, and I remember the first time I kind of heard that as I was growing up about the Beatles. The Beatles were the best band ever, and I never really listened to the Beatles and then I listened to the Beatles. And I'm like, the Beatles aren't any good so I, I kind of I'm <laughs> sitting here and I love the Fleming novels. Don't get me wrong, but I want to know and I want to just think about does the film get the credit that it's due as far as when is they look at a film versus the movie, if you actually were to stack up the films versus the movies, who would win and I can't tell you how excited I am to start this series off with you, Kyle. So I'm excited. What are your thoughts just overall about hearing so much, go back to Fleming, go back to Fleming, go back to Fleming?
0: Well, I think that that's that's a good mantra to have because usually the source material is the best. I think the best Bond films are the ones that are based on Fleming novels as opposed to the ones that are original stories or at least have some some through line of Fleming material in them. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you've picked a humdinger. of a a first one to go with with Goldfinger because it's one of the best Fleming novels and it's it is probably the most iconic classic James Bond film so this is going to be an interesting discussion for sure.
1: Exactly why I picked it so I figured to start this series like exactly Goldfinger is a fantastic novel and a fantastic movie so I thought what a great debate this would be to have but I want to just talk about for one just to start it off what are a runaway winner for your films like what film just crushes the novel to start off with like if you were to have all the films and all, all the um, novels lined up which mm-hmm. of the films crushed the novel hands down and you wouldn't even have any problems saying that the uh, film is way better than the movie live and let die uh the last time i read live and let
0: die and i've read it probably four times at this point, but I reread it last summer as part of the Fleming Reading Challenge, and it was the one that I had the hardest time getting through. And I, mm-hmm. I, it's not that I dislike it. I like all of the Fleming novels, but I thought the film did such a better job um, of making the characters a little bit more rounded, and the plot was a lot more exciting than the Live and Let Die novel. Not to disparage the novel, but the film Live and Let Die does the does the story better.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely agree with that pick. And I just had, a, I'm actually doing a, an episode here on live and let die and exactly about the, the characters and even the historical time point of the frame of mind between, you know, looking at the critical race theory in something like that, like just the book, the way that he writes the dialogue is rough to get through. And I just, Oh yeah. And it, I it's, have a hard especially time in that
0: one. reading it after, you know, what happened last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that language is a little difficult to get through. through mm, modern sensibilities. I can see why people would, would really take objection to live and let die the novel.
1: Mm, yeah. And, and just, again, just just keep it out of the stories and not try to go into the rabbit hole here. This is a story in general too. I actually enjoy um, the film. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the, and what's, I think
0: sometimes treasure um, because treasure isn't like a, a high stakes plot. Mm-hmm. Um, treasure isn't always a good MacGuffin, whereas yeah. in the film it's heroin, which I think is a is a little bit of a better
1: plot MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can party more with heroin. What yeah. are you gonna do with What are you gonna do with b- balloons? <laughs> Not milk? even once. Not even <laughs> once. <laughs> All right. So uh, for the film, Harry what's of a of what's a runaway loser? What is a film that absolutely, without a doubt, you think loses to uh, the
0: novel? Twice. You only live twice. The the novel is an avant garde Fleming masterpiece. I agree. And the film, I
1: agree. The film is good,
0: um, but it's it's I I rank *You Only Live Twice* pretty low because Connery is sleeping through the whole thing, mm-hmm. and it's just it doesn't have the the polish of the first four Connery films. So I, *You Only Live Twice* novel is much much better than the film, and it's the first one where. The
1: film has
0: absolutely nothing to do with the plot of the book. I think that's
1: I, that's, that's where they start to go wrong. I think that No Time to Die is going to be heavily influenced by that novel. And I, I, I went, went into right. it. I went into that novel thinking it was going to be more like the book. I thought, boys going to be dumb. And I couldn't I couldn't have been more surprised, pleasantly surprised, about how much how good the book was compared to to the movie. Oh yeah. All right, yeah. Same yeah. question. The, the,
0: film, the film blows away. I mean, I'm sorry. The uh, the novel blows away the film.
1: All right, so that brings us to Goldfinger. Now, this is one of those ones that it's toss-up. I think there's a lot of toss-ups in, yeah. in the novel versus the film. Uh, from Russian with Love is a big toss-up for me. Doctor oh, yeah. Know. Uh, Goldfinger, there's a there's a bunch of them that are toss-ups that you can debate a lot. But I really want to start with Goldfinger and, and get into it. And let's just go ahead and start with Goldfinger. Let's start from the beginning and try to dissect um, where, the, where the novel wins, where the film wins, and where they're kind of like, oh, I don't even know. So let's start with Sounds the beginning. Good. We just got the beginning where Bond in the film is, he goes and he scuba dives in, he's got the duck, he explodes, there's all this explosions and all this other stuff. Where in the novel, he's he's drinking, he's contemplating the bad kill that he just had to do um, in Mexico of the heroin smuggler. Which do you like and just kind of touch on both of them? I like the,
0: the opening of the novel better because I love those moments where we get – to be inside James Bond's brain and mm-hmm. see like his inner monologue and see like, how he's contemplating his missions. I love those moments. And I think reflections in a double bourbon is an awesome title for a chapter. <laughs> that just, yes. as soon as you see that at the top of the page, I want to read that. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the novel on the better opening.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing here you can't really portray the, that scene, I think, well. I, I don't think it would have translated well to the film. Cause how you're, do you really... you're right, because it's, it's very, very much, much in Bond's mind. And it, it doesn't look good
0: unless they did it in like a flashback. But there, there's really no action in, mm. the, in the first chapter of Goldfinger. Um, mm. It's Bond reflecting upon action that we don't actually see. Um, so I can understand why in the film they wanted to open up with a big bombastic action scene and it's an iconic one for sure
1: yeah i think for what they were given again you can't i don't think you can do that scene in the film there's no way to really portray it and then what they did when they what they made out of that scene uh, is just movie gold and then the the fight scene with the shocking the guy uh, shocking absolutely shocking uh shocking you you know it's close to a tie for me but i'm going to tell you since you went with the novel, I'm going to go with the film. I'll go with the okay. film on, on this topic. But it's, it's razor thin, just like I said, because I do love those moments of introversion and where Bond is so human. He's so much more human in the novels than he is in the movies because he's very much – these things affect him, where in the films, they don't affect him. But in the novel, he's very much affected by the things that he has to do. It's not an easy thing to just have to kill people all the time. And that, that's one of the things that the book does or, – or all of the
0: books really – they do really well. They make Bond a much more human character than the films.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to go on. Fountain Blue, how about that scene? How would we go next stage? How do you like how they actually got to Fountain Blue? Do you like the Casino Royale tie, or do you like the, um, the way that the, the, the film does it?
0: I'm going to give it to the novel
1: here as well,
0: because I think – Calling back to Casino Royale was a really cool, like, uh, little inside baseball for fans of prior novels. So if you are a Bond fan um, who's been dedicated in reading these novels all along, you're kind of rewarded for paying attention. I also think Mr. DuPont is a much more compelling character than, um, I think it's Mr. Simmons in in the film. Mm-hmm. Mr. Simmons is a nothing character. He doesn't really have any depth to him. He, I, he serves no purpose other than to advance the plot. Mr.
1: DuPont has a lot more personality, so
0: I'm going to give it to the uh,
1: the novel on that. I agree. Novel hands down. And one, just because the, at the time the DuPont family was just, just – the actual DuPont family is just mired in controversy – Oh yeah, um, the it's, DuPont Chemical still has quite a bit of controversy surrounding it. The the amount of damage they did to the health and safety of humanity that still they're not given credit for all the all the monstro- monstrosities that they've done the atrocities that they've done. Um, Ever heard
0: of napalm? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's really bad about all those things that they've done. So. Um, I like how he tries to disassociate himself, but still (laughs) the same Oh, no, no, I'm not one
0: of those DuPonts. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: not one of those DuPonts, yeah. But Fleming is very much part of the aristocracy, and he very much knows – he probably knew uh, a DuPont, and this was kind of his little jide to him. Um, But, yes, the buildup absolutely, absolutely goes to – The novel. Now, how about the... the Does that scene make you hungry
0: when you're reading um, their dinner scene? Because it it definitely makes me hungry. And I I don't even eat shellfish, but it still makes me hungry. The way Fleming (laughs) describes food is just phenomenal.
1: Yes. And the way the seafood, the best seafood, what do they say, that only a couple people have had a better meal on this earth today? Something like that? Right. Yep. Such a good scene. Such a good scene. What about when the actual reveal happens? Because here's... I think the lead up to the actual filing being Jill Masterson in the hotel room, the novel wins. But I think we're going to start getting a tilt in my mind. And I want to see how you think about it once we get to uh, Bond re- getting Jill Masterson. Um, I think you're right. I think the
0: novel wins in Bond's interactions and his meeting with Jill Masterson. Or it's Masterson in the film, Master Ten in the in the book, but we'll just stick with Masterson. Cause it's easier to say mm. uh, that's probably why they, why they changed it for the film. So there's, there's a, a, the first score for the film in my mind, changing it to Masterson, which is a lot easier to pronounce. But, uh, yeah, I think their first encounter is better in the novel, but I have more to say about that character, um, and how she plays out in the film that when we get to the things that I think the film does better, um, I've got some comments
1: on that. For me, once the once he gets in there, he's like, oh, "That's Mr. Goldfinger's one." And he's like, "I know." And the minute he gets in there, and then you see Jill Maston and over in the bikini, and she is cast perfectly. I I don't know if there's a better casting. Um, the way they play it, the way Connery does it, and then the way that um, they show their first reveal of Oddjob, the ominous, the judo chop, all that stuff, and finding the gold the gold now rather than later. Um, to me, it shows that uh, Goldfinger, you already know who you're messing with. This guy is for real. He's willing to kill. It sets the tone, I think, better for the entire story um, than it does than it does in the novel, not finding out until way later what he did. And then it doesn't even 100%. have – 100%. And then it doesn't even have the – when you read it in the book, it doesn't have the pop that it has with seeing the visual of her lying dead covered in gold like that visual is just it, it
0: starts. you must be reading my notes because that's one of the things that i wrote down is that there there's so much more emotion and there's a lot it like it raises the stakes a lot higher when we actually see jill masterson dead in mm. the in the movie as opposed to when it happens in the book all you get is, oh, she's left my employ. And then several chapters later, you find out, oh, yeah, uh, Goldfinger murdered my sister. And that happened and we never saw it. We never actually read it happening. The film mm. vastly improves upon that by actually showing us Jill Masterson's uh, dead body. So yeah. that right right off the bat, the stakes are higher. And like, it,
1: doesn't Goldf- make- Goldfinger,
0: Goldfinger, it makes Goldfinger look evil earlier than it does in
1: the book. Yes, absolutely. And then the whole going away for the weekend with Jill and then sending her back and he goes to London, it just, it, the film, I think, crushes the novel in this one. So I yeah. think we both are in agreement, film wins this one. I concur. Uh, yep. we, now we get Bond is back in England, both film and movie, um, and then we're really going to get a build-up to the, the golf game. Uh, where do you stand as far as novel versus film as we go? So we're getting abundant, the explanation of what the gold standard was, what the plot actually is, and why it mattered so much that um, or gold Goldfinger be investigated.
0: It's pretty much the same um, between the novel and the film at this point. I, I don't think one is better than the other. The movie does it a lot faster. It picks up the pace a little bit. The book provides a lot more information uh, as to why this is a serious plot and why we should care. So mm. I'm going to give this portion to toss up
1: i'm gonna give this one to the novel just because i enjoy when fleming writes about the drives too you can see his reverence for his so as he's driving out to the golf course once he gets to the golf course kind of the the cat and mouse that he's playing i, I don't know if you were you thinking of that question all the way through there or are you thinking just the actual reveal of the uh the plot
0: I was talking more about um, the meeting with the the banker, Colonel Smithers. I'll give you that.
1: I actually prefer that it was kind of rushed along. It was kind of a little long-winded, but I'm going to go with the novel because I like hearing about that stuff. Yeah, and and it's
0: good. It actually, I think, it gets us a little bit more involved when we know the background of the plot, why this matters, why Mm -hmm. it's such a big deal. I mean, they hint at that in the movie, um, but in the movie – we hate Goldfinger because he murdered Jill Masterton, or mm-hmm. Jill Masterson. Um, in the book, we don't know that's happened yet. So we need a reason not to like Goldfinger. So getting into the weeds on gold smuggling and why it's so important yeah. um, to ha- for the UK to have gold reserves, it makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. And it still is kind of a mystery. Like, is he a bad guy? Is he not? What is the point of all right. this? And, right. Yeah, I agree. So now we're going to get to the golf game, let's go from start to finish. Then let's go from the meeting and the golf game. Let's put them all in one. Um, who wins film novel?
0: Uh, for, for me, in this case, it goes to the novel. It gives us a little bit more background. Again, it makes both bond and Goldfinger more rounded characters. We know why bond has played at this course. Um, he has a history there. He played there as a young man. And I love reading about the background of James Bond as a character. I, I, I love diving deep into Bond and his hobbies and his personality. And we get that more in the book than we do in the film. In the film, they kind of hint at it that you know this is not Bond's <coughs> first round of golf at this particular course. And he knows Hawker the caddy. Um, and it, they have a very familiar relationship. But in the book, that's much more fleshed out. So I'm going to give it to the book.
1: Yeah, I would give it to the book, to the lead up for sure. I think that and then even the May, it seems like every word is important. Every movement is important because if Goldfinger smells a trap, the meeting's over and they're not going to play golf together. It has to feel every word is calculated and and picked. And if one thing goes wrong, the meeting doesn't happen or the game doesn't happen. So I definitely give it to the film. And then we get to the actual golf game. Golf game, I give it to the film, hands down. When he throws down the brick, that is a great addition. Um, That's a great scene. It's a great scene. a great scene. And I love how Goldfinger plays it. He, he looks at it, notices it, internalizes it, moves on, and then thinks about what the next thing is. Doesn't have like an reaction to it, just, okay, all right. But he's so, he's he's so
0: distracted by it that he misses the putt. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have like this big like –
1: which is because I'm the a wheels are, the wheels are turning. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. The wheels are turning so much, I think. That's, that's it. And, you yeah. know, they're the, usually wooden clubs because the guy break. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> right,
0: so it, it, was, move... it was like a three foot putt. I, anybody could have made that
1: putt. <laughs> and also, I, I like how um, Bond, Odd Jeff throws the hat at the end, how the homing device gets on there. Um, that whole setup, I think, is, is just. I think just the film does it better. The pacing is better, the story better. And it, keeps the, it keeps the story moving along better than the novel does. So I'm going to give you a lot that.
0: more action in the movie in that
1: section than there is in the book. Mm, I'm going to give that whole section to the film. film okay. wins in that one. How about when we get to um, – well, in the book, it's France first, and then it gets on to um, Switzerland. But in the film, it's more Switzerland. We think about just the, the follow, and I, I'm going to tell you that the important, and I'll include the important thing where um, Bond hi- or Goldfinger hides the gold brick. Put that whole scene in there with Tilly, the whole thing, burn it up until they actually get captured. What part wins?
0: Well, I, I love it when Fleming gets into Cold War politics. Mm-hmm. So making Goldfinger a, um, a treasurer for Smirsh ties the film, I'm sorry, ties the novel to the... Cold War more than the film is. It, it's mm-hmm. the first Bond film that really has nothing to do with the Cold War and nothing to do with Spectre. Um, so that in and of itself makes the film unique. But I like when Fleming gets political. So it's, it's a tough call because it's kind of like a very meandering portion of both the book and the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just Bond taking a drive through the country, stalking this guy, that's a, that's a really tough call. Plus, the the book has him drinking beer, and I like it when Bond drinks beer. So <laughs> You're the beer guy. Yeah, I am the beer guy. So I, I, I might have to give this one to the book.
1: Yeah, for me, hands down the book. I love, I think it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the book where he hides it under the, bro- under the bridge, and he doesn't really does it subtly. It's one of those things where only people who actually live in this world would even notice what it is. It's kind of and like, that's such that's such old school
0: spy craft, dead drops, and yeah. you know fake fake rocks and hollowed out this to hide secret payments and messages and stuff. That's a really
1: cool, just Cold War espionage portion. Mm, I love that because it's like even yeah, in my I, job, like when I do a covert or when I watch people, there are things that I see that I don't think people would see about, and that's it. Just kind of takes me to that world where. When when you live in that world you see a thing you look at the world differently and i think that that was one of my favorite scenes and uh i wish that they had put that in there but i understand why they didn't because they weren't trying to do it but for me hands down uh goes to it goes to the novel and then tilly in the film is my least favorite part about goldfinger the movie yeah that's i i would agree with you
0: there that's one of my notes as well that um the novel does a much better job of making Tilly a character. In mm. the in the film, she's just kind of there to complain and yeah. to move the plot forward a little bit, but not a lot. She's really just there for scenery and to whine. In the yeah. book, and to be sacrificed. she's actually she's, a really she's just a really well rounded character. Yeah, exactly. And when, 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 she, when she dies in the book, you actually feel a little bit something because you know who she is. Um, in the movie, we barely know her. We don't know anything mm-hmm. about her other than that she's Jill's sister and she's a lousy shot.
1: <laughs> exactly. So when she goes, I was like, hey, I don't have any reaction. I'm just like, oh, damn. Right. That hat. It sucks. That yeah. hat, yeah. Yeah, the hat. <laughs> it's, other it's, than
0: that, she's yeah. a, that's, That hands down... Um, the book does a much better job fleshing out Tilly Masterson's character. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. I would even say she's kind of the main Bond girl in
1: the novel. I agree. I'm 100% she's there for the whole whole ride really. But I almost kind of like the fact that they – I don't even really like her in the book, to tell you the truth. I mean I get that she's there, but I actually kind of enjoy that she's just done with and we can move on and it's Mm. all Bond. In the movie, as opposed to Tilly along for the whole ride, um, mm. for the movie uh, for the novel. So I'm gonna give it to the film. Get rid of Tilly. Let's move on with life. All right. What do you think about what? All right. So let's we got the capture scene. Bond's captured circular saw rather than the laser. Uh, from here on out, let's let's go from here until um, the Pussy Galore meeting in the film.
0: Okay. I, I don't think it's fair to compare a circular saw to a laser because mm. lasers didn't exist when the when the book was first written. So Fleming had to kind of go with something that was more readily available. Plus, we all know what a circular saw is. I think if, if Ian Fleming was writing about a laser, people would think, you know, what, what the hell is this science fiction stuff? Yeah. Um, but the laser in the film looks so cool. And it's such mm. an iconic scene. You know, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. First of
1: uh, all, the scene, <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. No,
0: Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. That's perfect. I think because of the the, uh, the iconography, I've got to go with the film in this instance. Because it's such a tense scene. And the mm. laser is super cool. And that's had to be one of the first times that a major motion picture showed an actual laser. Mm. Um Lasers. I, I, th- I think the film goes with the laser. Um, uh, it's got
1: to. It's got to take the cake there. Yeah, film for sure. And I also like that. So when he comes up and he's sneaking into um, uh, Goldfinger's factory, in the novel, all he does is look out and he sees through the door that they don't close. Like just close the door, guys. You spent all this time, all this effort, <laughs> <laughs> flying, flying all this gold and smuggling it. Just close the door when you do. Close the door. Just close be, the door. Yeah, be a lot, a lot shorter. That's, that you take all these. All just shut the door. It's not that hard. <laughs> not that hard. Just don't leave the door open. Uh, so the film far, far improves upon that, making him go in there and then hearing mm, Operation yes. Grand Slam here rather than in the novel way later. Which so, is,
0: that's really one of the only times in the film that Bond sort of takes the initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the book, he's. He's kind of mixing things up a lot more. He, he's being a lot more proactive. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he kind of reacts to things around him, except in this one scene where he's spying on Goldfinger's smelter, and he kind of he discovers this, overhears some things, and then has to think on his feet in order to get out of a bad situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just like that much better. Rather than rather than Goldfinger being like, you know what, this guy, I'm going to hire this dude. This dude was, was like sneaking around. I kind of get a bad vibe from him, but you know what I can do? I can totally hire him. I could. Um, I could
0: really use a capable assistant. So, uh, <laughs> this guy just landed on my doorstep. I'm going to hire him.
1: Yeah, I just for me uh, far far away. We get to um, we get to the capture. Now we're getting to either Kentucky or New York, depending on which film or novel. Uh, we're going to go on from here. We, Again, we're going to talk about the the gangsters in the novel versus the gangsters in the film and then how Bond finds out about the plot and all that stuff. Where do you, where do you go on who wins this round?
0: Um, tough call. The, the thing that frustrates me about the Goldfinger film, having seen it how many millions of times over the last, I don't know, 30 years, uh, why would Goldfinger explain his plot to the gangsters if he's just going to gas them Mm. anyway the only reason that scene exists in the movie is to tell the audience what goldfinger's plan is so it really makes no sense in the book he needs these people in order to pull off his heist so this particular scene even though later on i think the film does something that makes it a better story but we'll get there when we get there um this particular scene the briefing and and the planning of operation grand slam i'm going to give it to the book
1: yeah i agree and in the movie if you're going to kill him anyways why why have odd job bring him to the place to, to get compacted to just to bring it back and then your goals in there you got to pull it out anyways you're right. going to kill you're right. going to kill the dude anyways it didn't make any sense yeah. Uh, he, yeah like you said at least in the film it says that he needs muscle so he's going to dispatch him anyways um he doesn't right, care and, about them. And he
0: winds, up, he winds up doing that, but he does that after using them as mm-hmm. his, his hired muscle. So yeah. it makes a lot
1: more sense in that instance in the book. Yeah, why would you bring in people just to kill them for no reason? Uh, I guess the, the only thing that the film said was they smuggled it in, but even then... Um, maybe, maybe Goldfinger was just like this... Do-gooding
0: model citizen, and he wanted to wipe out the American mafia. I mean, maybe it. maybe it's a maybe it's a misunderstood movie. Goldfinger's the good guy. He, he murdered the head of every single
1: mafia family in the United States. He's actually Batman. All right. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we get to Pussy Galore. What, I, I'm just going to say, let's just, as far as Pussy Galore as a character, let's just go from film versus novel. 100% better in
0: the film. I Great. don't understand uh, her motivation in the book, why she changes sides. It's done very, very abruptly with, mm-hmm. with a little slipping a little note to Bond. Um, in, in the movie, yes, I understand it's problematic by today's standards to use an overused word, but she actually falls for James Bond. I don't mm-hmm. see that scene happen in in the book. It comes no. completely out of nowhere where she changes sides. And I understand um, wanting to have her involved because they needed nurses to create part of their elaborate ruse to get to Fort Knox, but she's got a much meatier role in the movie. She's Goldfinger's pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a lot more essential in the Operation Grand Slam so Pussy Galore is one of those characters that the film does much, much better. The book does Tilly better, but the, the movie does Pussy Galore a hundred times better.
1: Yep, I agree. Exponentially. And then having her be pilots rather than acrobats and all that other stuff.
0: Right. It, down, it gives her character a lot, more, a lot more importance, a lot more depth. She's a, she's a key part of this heist. The heist mm. can't succeed without her. Yep. I, does, does she really need to be there in the book? I mean, they could have found someone else to fulfill her role. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. I I think they keep the mannerisms a lot the same, but they just expand upon her and improve upon her exponentially.
0: Oh, yeah. She's a a much better... And I think, like I, I said before, Tilly is sort of the main Bond girl of the book. And the filmmakers wisely decided to make Pussy the main Bond girl of the film... Mm-hmm. um and she she's a much more interesting character a lot more depth a lot better well-rounded so the the, the film gets pussy galore right mm-hmm. and pussy galore
1: is still in the bond girl bracket challenge elite eight yes she is yes she <laughs> she's, is she's cruising um all right so now we're going to go to the let's go to just actual operation grand slam itself so this is another big upgrade, and I think we're both going to be agreed on in this. What, what do you think is the operate? Which one do you like better?
0: This is absolutely where the film kicks the book's ass. Mm-hmm. The, the, the biggest upgrade from the book to the film was making Operation Grand Slam blowing up Fort Knox as opposed to stealing the gold. Yep. Even Ian Fleming couldn't make stealing the gold seem plausible. And he tries pretty hard to write his way around it and say, oh, well, we're going to pretend to be this medical team and it has to be a quarantined area. Nobody's going to go for that. I, and mm-hmm. Bond even says in the movie it would take, I don't know, 16 men, 12 days to move it onto 200 trucks. It, the, the heist makes no sense. Whereas exploding a dirty bomb is a much more practical plot. And it's something that I could actually see. I mean, how many times uh, growing up in the wake of 9-11 did we worry about dirty bomb attacks? Mm-hmm. That's a real world threat. A, yep. it blowing up a dirty bomb is something that grounds it a little bit. In a fantastic movie, like a fantastical um, far-fetched movie, a dirty bomb is not that far-fetched. And it, yes. it makes the plot a lot more concise and grounded
1: and i'll say that it's one of the last times in in movie history that the chinese were a villain that's also Uh, true and mm -hmm. we we could go off on a whole tangent about the influence
0: of the chinese on american cinema but this is not the podcast i'm not drunk enough (laughs) yeah i already did that episode but we could do it again (laughs) it's a great episode because we gotta watch out for who dictates content? But that's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. The movie, yeah. the, the Operation Grand Slam in the movie is a much, much better scheme than Operation Grand Slam in the book. Mm-hmm. Hands and down. I mean, Blow I mean, up I the love, the fact, the, that, I love the fact
1: that it's the Chinese that. I love the fact that it's the Chinese that supplied the bomb. Uh, yeah. I, just think, yep. I just think that's brilliant. They, right.
0: The Chinese are, are the villains in You Only Live Twice also. They don't explicitly say it, but it's the, it's the Chinese who want. World War Three to break out between Russia and the United States because who mm-hmm. who who stands to benefit between the US and the USSR
1: destroying each other? Who who's left?
0: Yeah. But that's, that's 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 another podcast. We'll we'll get to that <laughs> when we
1: talk about Yulia twice. That's right. All right. So we got we're gonna go into the actual ending. Let's go right from the reveal, right to the end, right when the plane goes down and, and there's the, the end scene with Pussycalore. Ending of the movie, conclusion of the film versus conclusion of the novel. Who you got? Again, I think this
0: has to go with the film. This is one of the areas where they kind of improved upon it. Yes, it's it's an interesting change to see Oddjob sucked out of the plane as opposed to Goldfinger sucked out of the plane. Mm-hmm. And it is cool. I mean, it, I don't mean to say, like, this is the type of behavior that should be celebrated, but James Bond killing Goldfinger with his bare hands is, yeah. it, you know, it, it makes it grittier uh, and a little bit more exciting. But the... Climax of the movie is just
1: so much more exciting
0: than mm-hmm. it is in the book. Yeah,
1: agreed. Like having them land in Canada. First yeah. of all, if I'm landing in Canada, I'm landing on St. Catherine Street in Montreal. Um, and those who <laughs> know, know, know why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crossing Port Champlain. Totally,
0: that is totally not where I spent my 18th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I um, I think... the. I, if you'll forgive the pun the movie climax is much more cinematic than uh than it is in the book
1: yes yes absolutely absolutely uh so i have the film so basically i think we're in agreement for the last third of the film i think we have the 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 film beating the novel we're a little bit of disagreement in the middle uh, a little bit of disagreement in the beginning but uh what is your final verdict if you had to pick who wins Fle- Fleming or the filmmakers? Who you got? All right. I'm going to say
0: that the movie beats the book, but it's a very, very close call. It's like 60-40 mm-hmm. movie versus book because it is one of my favorite Fleming novels. I definitely top five Fleming for me. The characters are good. The The interpretation of Bond in the book is one of my favorite, um, bit, like I said, at the beginning of this episode, we were talking about getting inside Bond's head in the first chapter and his reflections as he's thinking about what this job is doing to his psyche, mm-hmm. but the, the movie improves upon it, especially with Goldfinger's plot and with the leading lady that I'm going to give it to 60% movie, 40% book.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, my man. Uh, I give it to the film. I think the film improves upon, and the, there were some glaring weaknesses I think in the in the novel in the plot, and they sewed it up and they made it better. And then, again, I love the, the novel so much. I love the buildup. I love a lot of the yeah. The, the, it's a the, the it's a things.
0: it's a great yarn, and and it's one of those books that you can read in like two days max, and it's it's done. It's such a mm-hmm. good good thriller. Yeah.
1: You fly through it, but um, yep, I agree. Film wins. So we've got a unanimous decision. One, nothing goes the filmmakers. And it's going to be interesting as we do this series as we go on. I know I'm going to have you on for a bunch of these. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting debate to find out, you know, is, should we always go to Fleming or did the filmmakers, are they getting their due? Yeah, I think, um, I, I, you know what? The Bond movies and most
0: movies are a team effort. You know, it, mm. it takes – good source material, good actors, good filmmakers in order to make a good movie. Film is a very collaborative
1: art. Yep. And the novel, you're just in, uh, in Jamaica at a typewriter. Right, so. right. <laughs> All right. Which doesn't sound
0: is... horrible. I actually I, I think I would enjoy
1: the hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, well, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been Kyle Pleasure. from Easy Smiles, Expensive Watches, Donny, Quantum History. Thank you again so much. And we'll be doing a bunch of these going forward. All right. Take care, Kyle. Have a good night.